0: Life is one long journey made up of many detours. Some are chosen and some are not, but they all teach us something along the way. Welcome to the Detour Podcast, where conversations about life detours and travel detours converge. It's one part human experience and one part travel experience put together to teach and inspire us to take the detour and enjoy the wander. everyone. Welcome back fellow detourists and future detourists. I'm your host Sheila Shinsky and today we have a story that will tug at your heartstrings. Um, When you start hearing about the situation and imagine this situation happening in your own life, especially if you have children, you're going to just start thinking, oh my goodness, what would I do? Like how would we handle this? So let me introduce our guest today. Uh, her name is Stephanie Walls, and she's a teacher in the Lando Lakes area. She has a loving husband, Mike, and two sons, Dalton and Remington. She enjoys giving back, and that's much of that stems from the fact that her son Remington has a rare disease and cannot eat food. Yes, you heard me right—no food, none. He's 19 now. But this diagnosis has taken the family on a detour of determining what was wrong, how to manage it, and looking for ways to support her son with a unique and rare outlook. This diagnosis came about 15 years ago. And currently, Stephanie is pursuing legislation both federally and statewide that will help make a difference in the lives of others battling rare diseases and the high cost to get nutrition covered by health insurance she is making progress she'll tell us about that today she's guided by her belief in hope and grounded by her faith stephanie is an ordinary person trying to make an extraordinary difference welcome to the detour podcast stephanie um, it's a pleasure to meet you and have you here
1: thank you so much for having me i appreciate it thank you
0: okay so what i didn't say yet um, is that you have written a book uh, along with your son remington um, and it is called home plate and we got connected through um, someone that helped publish that that book um, and i read an excerpt from home plate and as i said in the beginning my heart just started to go out to each member of your family because i i thought about you as a mom and in, in your husband as a dad and then i thought about the sibling and about having a child that would not be able to eat food and what that would look like on a day-to-day basis. Like I'm very intrigued to hear this and I know our listeners will be because I can't even comprehend why that would happen and then what you do about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Um, tell us about your son and when you realized something wasn't right and how this whole journey started for y'all.
1: Okay. Our journey. Wow. It just, um, when Remington was born, something wasn't right. He was sick all the time as a baby. And, um, just constantly just throwing up his formula. And then when we were taking him to the doctor, he wasn't growing the way that he needed to be. And so became the the norm for us just to continue going to doctors and trying to figure out what was going on. And um, by the age of three, uh, we had him scoped with a GI doctor. And this was our second GI doctor. And he um, diagnosed Remington at the time with eosinophilic esophagitis. Um, we didn't really think anything much about it. It was just some food allergies, we thought. And so we were visiting with a um, an allergist here in Tampa, scoped him again six months later, and it had gotten worse. Not only was it in his upper um, esophagus, but now it had spread to his lower esophagus. And so I was like, we are not getting better. He just is getting worse. And so it was that at that time, we sought out um Cincinnati Children's Hospital and by the time Remington was um four we um had taken him up for yet another endoscopy so this is his third one now and the doctor then did agree that it is eosinophilic esophagitis and he was removed from all foods at that time
0: because his body needed to heal um can you tell us that long word that you know very well, I'm sure you've had to say it a bunch of times. Can you tell us what exactly that is? When you said it had gotten worse, what got worse? Is it inflammation? Is What is it that happens? So, um, so with eosinophilic
1: esophagitis, what happens is um, we all are born with a certain amount of eosinophils. We all have eosinophils. But with patients who have EOE, they have a high concentration somewhere within their digestive tract. For Remington, it just happened to be in his esophagus. And so when he eats food or when other patients eat food, the food, um, the eosinophils attack the food like it's an enemy. But only after the food is gone, it'll continue to attack the tissue in that tract. And so for Remington, it's incredibly painful as well as Mm. these other children, um, because your tissue is being attacked by your own cells. And so it's deteriorating your tissue, causing inflammation. And so if it's not controlled, then eventually you'll lose that area of yeah. your body. And so for him, um, you know, it was just remove him from the foods, remove him from the agents that's causing it, and then his esophagus can stay clear. The minute you're putting back on food, it flares up again. And then eventually your esophagus has, his could close.
0: Wow. So there, um, so this eosinophil, am I saying that right? Oh, good. (laughs) Um, so that's something that we all have, but he's got an extra amount and there's, there's no medication to reduce that or, um, any other, Like this is the only method, just don't eat food? For him, it's pretty much been the only method. Yeah.
1: Some um, There are many, many, Remington falls into the 1% category of the severity. Mm -hmm. There are others that um, you can remove certain foods and then they're fine. There are also others that you can take um, steroids and they're fine. So there are other areas of of medicine that they can, um,
0: those paths that they can travel down. But for us, for Remington, They've never been successful so you've tried those different things and they just haven't worked and so so who and how did they come up with this idea obviously he has to eat something so Mm -hmm. does does he have a a, um like a feeding tube or something um, that bypasses all that or what happens um
1: so uh it's an elemental formula and it just comes in a like a juice box it looks just like a normal little juice box and so he has had that same elemental formula um, ever since he was removed from food at the age of four. And so periodically he will go through food trials just to see if we can get something in his diet. And so far he's failed, even repeated attempts of certain foods, he has failed. And so um, it just becomes a crazy roller coaster for him. Mm. But um, so the elemental formula is how he receives his nutrition. And so many of the patients receive their nutrition from elemental formula, whether they drink it orally or if it's fed through them um, through a feeding tube. But for Rem, he's never had a feeding
0: tube, so. He's been able to do the, the what do you call them, shakes? Or? We just call them shakes, yeah. Shakes, okay, so he's been able to do the shakes mm-hmm. and um, that's that's worked for him nutritionally yes. where he started. So once he got on those, was he starting to thrive now and was not a, in pain? and so I guess that maybe it would it would be hard to have that, but he was probably grateful to be out of pain, right? Right. How
1: right. did he
0: take to that at four years
1: old? Well, in the very beginning, that was rough. That's when I, it threw our family into utter chaos. I can um, imagine, yeah. We became quite dysfunctional. Um, so we received his diagnosis, have to remove him off of foods. He's four years old. I mean, his favorite foods were French fries, chicken nuggets, you know, when you yeah. to drive through McDonald's. Um, and all of a sudden it went to nothing and it was just this formula and so um we became um closet eaters i call it and so my husband and i and our son our older son dalton would take turns going back into our bedroom which was on the other side of the house and we would eat our dinner while one of us stayed out with remington to kind of keep him busy entertained we would also cook our food on the grill to keep the food smell out of the house and it was during that time that We were losing our family time at the table. We were losing all of our bonding. And that's every night we used to sit together as a family at Mm mealtime and just talk and share about our day. Now that was all gone. We didn't Mm -hmm. know what to do. And so Mm -hmm. we were floundering. We were in just sheer desperation. And um, we ended up going to a a seminar, my husband and I, for the weekend. And it was a marriage seminar Mm -hmm. because we were struggling as well, blaming one another. And then we went to go see um, Dr. Gary Chapman, the author of The Five yes. Love Languages, uh-huh. and I ended up getting five minutes with him, and I shared our story real quick, and he said the first thing that you need to do is get back to the table, and your child needs to understand that life isn't fair, and that he has this disease, but he has been given another source of nutrition. and that if you continue the way that you're continuing, you will become a broken family. You and your husband will no longer be together and your son will grow up and thinking that people will cater to him and that you're just And he'll survive, him. but
0: he, he will always be healthy, exactly. surviving mentally or your marriage or your family or right. anything else. And
1: so he just point blank yeah. just told us we're destroying our family wow. piece by piece. And so we made a decision then that weekend, we were changing. And um, that very next day, we all sat together at the table, and it was the hardest day, I think, that we can recall. Just seated, seated at the table together, we have our meal, and we it, it was just meat and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Nothing fun, nothing, mm-hmm. you know, no snacks. And then we forced Remington to sit with us with his shake, and um, he had a fit. And it was just you know kind of repeating that. And then eventually we, we had a, a conversation starter, a little flip chart on our table. And so um, one of the things that Chat, Dr. Chapman had said was, don't focus on the food, focus on your family, focus on your conversation. And so we would read a question and um, off of our little flip chart and it mm-hmm. would um, all of a sudden just bring us where we just each take a turn answering that question. And we started getting our family back together oh goodness so, and um, there must have been a lot of
0: challenge with that for all of you i mean you know you you had said that you were kind of blaming each other was was there where does this disease come from it's very rare like is it is it um uh, what do you call it hereditary or at this point they don't really
1: know mm-hmm. so um they don't know if it's genetic they don't know if it's environmental um, I, I believe that a lot of the research is showing that it is kind of leaning towards environmental at this
0: point. Mm. But there's just not yeah. a, a, a for a, sure. A for sure on that, mm. yeah. And I can imagine, too, that it would <clears throat> just be very hard. Um, and you even alluded to it in your, in your book. I read an excerpt in it and you said, you know, your other child, uh, you, you had like guilt about mm-hmm. eating and about buying snacks for your other child, you mm-hmm. know? Do I buy the cheese its for Dalton, you know? You were a, be afraid that Remington, especially when it was a little guy, I mean, how do you explain this to a little guy to say like, you can't eat this, you yeah. know? Um, and the same thing for, you know, fun foods or, I mean, I, I can imagine grocery shopping I don't like it, anyways. But I can imagine it would really be tough for you. Yeah. What was that like, as far as like the mom side of just having all that <clears throat> guilt, I guess, or well, you upset? Do, you carry.
1: A, I mean, I was just shouldering a lot of like obviously this must be my responsibility somehow i am to blame for my child not being able to eat And you know and, and the same thing for my husband he felt the same way mm. um and so at there was a point where we were we would feel guilty just because we could eat um and but then just going grocery shopping um like we shared in our our book home plate it was tough because there were times when i would be walking down that aisle and i would see families just you know pulling whatever they want off the shelf for the kids and here I was in that mode of just sheer desperation of I'm just out here grocery shopping just to feed the three people in my family that can eat. And tears would just be coming down my face because I just didn't even want to be at the grocery store buying food. It mm. just, I, I had a hard time coping with that.
0: Yeah. Um, so, but, so you said that in the beginning, especially that first day, you know, he kind of really threw a fit about it and you know, um, what what kind of like this isn't fair. Did he say mm-hmm. things like that, like this isn't mm-hmm. fair and Yes he did. And I he, you know, <gasps> the everything smells so good and I can't eat it
1: or Well he did. And and there were many times when he would just say, My life's not fair mm-hmm. um and why me? And so that's when Um, I had to dig deep in my faith, and um, I started um, just telling him, I was like Remington, I remember one night we were lying in bed, and and he's just like, Ma, he had just had like a crying moment, like my life's not fair, I hate Mm -hmm. my life, and you know, why does this have to happen to me, and he would just be sobbing and crying Mm -hmm. about it, and I remember I climbed up in bed, and I just looked at him, and we're face to face, and I just said, you know what, Remington, I said, Certain people in life are chosen for certain things, and Mm -hmm. our family takes this as like a badge of honor that God thought that this family, your family, are strong enough to carry you through this. And I said, so, if he thought we were strong enough to carry through this, then you are strong enough to handle this because you have us and so we used to always just encourage him that you know somehow we had to take this as we are we're doing this because somewhere along the line we're going to be there to help other people through it and so Whenever he would start feeling like that, that's what we would always say, and Mm -hmm. his name means a man of many great things, Ah. and so, um, you know, I even would tell him, even before you were born, we'd already chosen your name, and it means a man of many great things, Mm. and so that already tells you your destiny, you know, so you can't eat, you've been given another source of nutrition. And so now we just need to find the blessings and find out what you're destined for, because mm. it may not be food that is right. you're going to have in your diet, but you are destined for something great. And so we used to always just kind of, you know, reiterate that and kind of put it back on the spin. But um, it was hard. I mean, we did this for
0: years. So there is an excerpt that I want to read now from your book, um, which again is called Home Plate, and. Um, I guess it was a little bit after about this time where maybe he started to accept a little bit, your family started to accept and you're like, all right, we're gonna have to do things a little different than the average family. Mm -hmm. We're we're not, we're no longer gonna be, have the delusion that we're gonna be an average family, um, especially in this area. So we're gonna have to do things a little bit. So this was um, the very first birthday party that Mm -hmm. Remington had after this. So what was he, about five?
1: Um, His first birthday, he was four.
0: Okay. So I'm going to read this. Um, actually, why don't you read it right there? Yeah. I'd like to hear it in your words.
1: Okay. The very first birthday party we had for Remington in his foodless world was when he turned five. We decided to have the party at the bowling alley so the kids could keep busy and not focus so much on eating. Instead of having pizza, chips, soda, and cake, we rented a snow cone machine and brought it to the bowling alley. When it came time to sing happy birthday, we gave Rem a snow cone with a candle in it. I remember hearing kids ask where the cake was and seeing some parents huddled together inquiring about the food. For us, this was our new normal. For them, this was a moment they shared in Remington's new world. Mm -hmm. That first public birthday celebration hit Mike and I hard. We both choked up when we sang happy birthday to Rem. It was a tough, heart-wrenching moment for us. Some of the parents who hadn't known about Remington's disease until that moment were sympathetic and emotional."
0: So that um, right there was probably, you know, a, a pivotal thing in, the, um, in your life of like, okay, here it is out on display now too. And um, so can you tell me what it was like for um, maybe the other kids? How did other kids handle this? um when he got a grip on it he might did he start to own it in some kind of way and did what did he say about um not being able to to eat well we'd
1: been traveling that month that road for several months by the time that birthday party came along and we'd already um i'd, I'd already gone into his classroom too and kind of shared a lot with his classmates and so we were at the point where yes remington was at the beginning of owning it Still, there were times when, um, I mean, just as a five-year-old, you're, you're trying to figure out how to cope with this and how to deal with this and looking around and seeing your friends. But the focus, it, it became more of Mike and I and the challenges, us as parents, to steer the kids into the right direction. And so the focus became on games and bowling and throwing that ball. It wasn't just about the food anymore, birthday parties. And something that we started um, doing was whenever Remington had anything at school, Mike and I, one of us would always take off for like a special event, um, like holidays or birthday parties. I just made sure that the teachers would just let us know at least a couple of days in advance so one of us could be there so that we could be in that classroom and teach Remington those coping skills. Mm-hmm. So that if he did see um, a friend of his having um, a birthday celebration and they're handing out cookies and cake and candy bags and whatnot, then we could actually steer him and show him what he needed to be doing at that uncomfortable moment. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a particular time at school, it was the the first celebration at school, and I remember I could have checked him out of school, I could have signed him out and taken him home, Mm -hmm. but as an educator myself, I was like, I would be so hurting him more by not teaching him how to handle these situations, yeah. by choosing to take him home so he wouldn't have to deal with the hurt, mm-hmm. and so even though it hurt us to keep him at school while these other kids are celebrating, we use that moment, those times, to teach him on what he needed to do to help acclimate himself to this.
0: Yeah, it is really hard, <clears throat> especially when they're when they're younger. Um, for sure, I worked several years in. A, um, in a classroom of first graders. And we had um, two students over those years that had severe allergies, um, one to the point that needed like an EpiPen um oh. all the time I used to carry the little backpack all, at all mm-hmm. times and the other one um he just couldn't eat certain things and if he did he got real itchy and rashy and yes. hives and that kind of thing but the poor kids sometimes you know during snack time they're little and kids would drop things on the floor and and he would just so badly want to have oh. the things you know he would <laughs> eat it and then you know he'd be all rashy and we'd be we'd be like honey <laughs> did you have something here? No. It's like, oh, "Oh, I think you did, sweetheart. You know, and his mom would be great and bring like things that he could have, you know, in the cabinet. But, oh, it's tough. I I mean, it used to break my heart just, you know, being not his parent, you know, just somebody who cared about him as a teacher. Mm -hmm. But um, to have to see him get something different. But you're so right because the reality is this is what what is the reality for you mm-hmm. it's not going away and so the best that we can do as parents and educators is teach the kids right. how to deal with the reality right and and it sounds cliche you know people mm-hmm. will say life's not fair it's really not it's not and fair. everybody has some mm-hmm. something We've or most people something. do right. most people have something that's you know just just not fair mm-hmm. and that you just have to Deal with. Well, and you we, know?
1: my husband and I, we just, we gave Remington just tough love and we were really hard on him, but we were like, we need to do this now because when he gets older, what's going to happen when he gets older? And so we would be doing such a disservice to him if he was younger and we were just letting him, you know check out of school or whenever he didn't feel good, not go to school. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was never any of that. We were like, no, we're not allowing you to escape because if we allow you to start escaping, then you'll always want to escape when it gets rough and you won't know how to push through and fight through. And so now at 19, he has, um, you know, he's still learning, but for the most part, he pushes through and fights through what he needs to.
0: Well, and at some point I know, you know, he did take (laughs) ownership because, um, At one point, there was a quote that he told a doctor um, when the doctor said, you know, you're going to have to live on these shake and juice boxes. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, yes, I can live on these. You don't know me. I Mm -hmm. can do it. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just thought that was uh, very powerful, you know, for him to take ownership of, okay. And, of course, that would be a process, Mm -hmm. you know. But at some point, he finally, you know, took, um, took ownership of that. So, how did Remington make out with friends? Were there any teasing or bullying, or, or were they kind of like these other kids I mentioned, where the kids rallied around and said, you know, that they would, they would do what they needed to do so that their friend could participate with them?
1: Um, when Remington was in school, there wasn't any bullying or um, uh, any malicious behavior towards him whatsoever, and I think what helped with that was me coming into the classroom at such an early age um, each beginning of the year, and just kind of like letting the kids know this is what was, you know, his, you know, um, disease, and that it's not contagious, but that he had to drink this juice box for mm-hmm. his survival. And so, for um, for Remington, at lunchtime, he would be just like any other kid. He'd go to the lunchroom, he'd sit down with his group of friends. Um, they'd all have their meals, and he would pull out his juice box, his shake, and shake it up, drink it, and then he'd go for the day. So mm-hmm. um, that's pretty much how that worked. And then he moved on into high school. Um, and then he had, we had refrigerators set up to where um, he would just go and grab what he needed and he would just drink it. And so it just became a normal routine and his buddies that he'd grown up with ever since elementary school all kind of accepted it and knew it. So they knew the routine
0: mm-hmm. and it was just- It was accepted. Just what, what we knew. That's yeah. right. That's cool. So, so he um, sustained health through all this to yes. the point where he's played sports and, mm-hmm. and been quote, a normal kid. Yes, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yes Yes. what kind of sports and things did he do
1: um, well, he played baseball. He had been playing baseball ever since the age of four. He did try soccer back when he was in the middle school And that was as an eighth grader, but he lost 10 pounds within a six-week season mm-hmm. And so we realized that even though he liked soccer that was not the sport for him because it was too many calories He was losing and he uh-huh. wasn't able to get in what he needed and so throughout the years we've worked with his nutritionist and we've learned that he has to monitor how much he's expending in his calories as well as how much he's intaking, so that he keeps normal um, amounts coming and going. And so when he's in like a high active period, then he has to take more. Take and so he will drink anywhere from 18 to 22 juice
0: boxes in a day,
1: Oh wow. depending
0: on his activity level. Why did you decide to write the book first and why did it get that name?
1: The, there was, I mean, many times people would come up to us and say, have you ever considered writing a book? And so about three years ago, I sat down, I started putting all of my thoughts into paper, onto paper and um, never did anything with it, never touched it again, got to 52 pages and then I stopped. And then um, we were at a conference and other people had just approached us and said, you know, I really think you guys should write a book and just tell your story on how you were able to battle through and persevere through this. And so it was just unbeknownst to us, we were um, at the point Um, Going back and forth with legislation and working on legislation in Remington. We had just come back from a trip to Washington, D.C., where Remington had spoken before a um, congressional briefing committee on behalf of needing formula coverage for people who need formula to survive. Um, And there was now publishing had heard about our story and then had approached us and said, you know, have you ever considered writing a book? And so we actually, as a family, decided, we discussed it, and we decided, sure. And it was the six weeks before Remington left for college that we sat down, and it was 24-7 that we were writing
0: this book, just putting everything down as much as we could. So you kind of started it, and then it became a collaboration. mm -hmm. Yes. And Home Plate, obviously, the reference to baseball, Mm -hmm. but then also... A reference to the dinner table. That's how we found our
1: sanity again. That's how we became a family once again. Was back at home and the plate that it surrounded, because that's where our um, dysfunction began. Was all of a sudden losing that time around the dinner table, right? That mm-hmm. family time. But then we got it back again when we all mm-hmm. decided to come back around that plate at home. And then, Remington, but not
0: focus on the food. Exactly. Yeah. Not
1: focus on the food. But then Remington found his. Um, saving grace through the plate on the baseball field, that home plate by playing baseball,
0: and, and through high school, or did he continue in college? Or so he continued all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, is he in college now? How's he doing now? He's in college. He's doing great. He's a sophomore, and um, I he's majoring in communication, and so he's doing very well
0: nice now you mentioned about um, legislation and helping so what what put you kind of on you have like a detour within a detour um, because I'm sure you didn't expect to be you know talking to lawmakers and things like that so how how did that become necessary that's amazing that detour you're right became a detour and it was just
1: amazing how that all just played out Um, there was um, several years ago um, Remington we had had coverage for Remington's formula um, all these years, and then three years ago, all of a sudden, um, the insurance company denied coverage, and so it was at that point when we were like, "Really? How is this happening?" And so many people reached out to us, people that would hear our story, um, and they were like, "This happened to us. This happened to us. I was forced. To st- I was forced to put a feeding t- um, tube into my child just uh. so that they could get coverage." And then um, other families shared how they had to file for bankruptcy because they couldn't afford their mortgage anymore. They couldn't afford things because all they could do was just afford the formula. Is that formula very expensive? For Remington, it's $26,000 a year and that's just for him. And so you imagine other families that don't have any means whatsoever Mm -hmm. and that's a huge price tag. Yeah. And so it was through that, um, little detour that all of a sudden we were like, wait a minute, no, this isn't right. People need this formula. And so we started finding for legislation. And so we started, um, we had to find a senator and I found Senator Kelly Stargell. And then we were desperately trying to find a representative on the house side that would pick us up. And it wasn't until this year, year three, that we finally found a representative that took on our cause. And so Remington and I both drove back and forth to Tallahassee and testified before the committees um, just on the need for such this coverage. And so this session um, it passed, um, but the um, the coverage is for only the um, state of Florida employees. And so it will cover them and um, anyone who needs formula, which is great. And so we are still pushing for um, to expand mm-hmm. the state coverage. We're pushing to expand federal coverage because there isn't federal coverage on this right now. And so we still have a lot of work ahead of us, but wow, what a detour that was. We've ne- We never in a million years ever expected to be fighting for legislation, and then all of a
0: sudden it passes. It's crazy. So that's kind of the latest update on that, and you'll mm-hmm. keep mm-hmm. on pushing. Absolutely, keep on pushing with that. Um, what would you say to people who are are facing some kind of health issue like this, or um, something that seems insurmountable? Especially, mm-hmm. you know, when it when it deals with your children, that just takes it up another notch. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. We can all say as parents, like, do whatever you want to me, but, right. not, you know, not my kid is exactly. kind of how it feels. Right, right. Um, so what would you say to people that are facing some kind of, you know, un- insurmountable? I'm sure in the beginning you thought, what in the world are we going to do? Mm-hmm. How are we going to do this? And we felt so overwhelmed. Yeah. Um,
1: the first the, the first piece of advice that I think I could offer would be just have hope. Just, you know, don't listen to all the negativity. Surround yourself with some positive people. Surround yourself with knowledge too. You've got to educate yourself on what it is that you can do as a parent to better this situation for your child. Um, It may not be right in your territory. It may be that you have to travel someplace else to have another specialist take a look at your child to see if there's something else that maybe they could do that would be worthwhile. But first and foremost, just be hopeful because It will get better. It Mm -hmm. will get better. And Mm -hmm. then you want to embrace those days that, you know, that it it did get better. You've got to embrace those really good days.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think you already kind of, you know, said some things along the Mm -hmm. way that I think any family, whether you're facing any kind of health thing like this or or not, just in raising your family and your kids is, is one, okay, if this was brought to you, you're strong enough to handle it. Mm -hmm. Um, Two deal with what is the reality, not what we wish it could be, right. not w- what what it should be, not mm-hmm. what would be fair, right. but what is, mm-hmm. and then, okay. And then three, find those people that are going to say, all right, we can do this and we'll come alongside you mm-hmm. to support you. Absolutely. Were there people in your uh, uh, circle that, that helped you in particular that you can think
1: of? Oh my goodness. I mean, our family, first and foremost, um, they helped us build a wall when we were the most vulnerable. They helped build a wall around us just so that we could learn just to cope first. We had to learn to cope. Mm-hmm. And then um, we started slowly letting our church family back in. And, um, and you know, it's just we find that we gravitate to the people that we were the closest with all of these years. They yeah. were, you know, your closest longest, dearest friends. Those are the ones that tended to accept us the most, Mm -hmm. um, and understand. And, um, and it was just, you know, you don't ever wish anyone to travel down this path, but you've got to have a strong family and you have to have, um, just some strong, faithful friends that'll Mm -hmm. guide you as well and encourage you.
0: What is, if anything, um, has surprised you out of this journey that, um, you know, kind of like that saying, you know, the beauty for ashes, like what, um, blessing, uh, you know, you've got the cutest house here and out front, you've got a sign that says blessed or blessed, blessed. blessed. Yes. And, um, so what, what makes you feel blessed or what can you say? Because
1: that? I mean, I view life, I have a whole perspective that life is precious and is the most precious gift ever. And when, um, you're faced with a situation to where your child is sick. And at the point of not knowing what is down the road, it can it can really wear on you. And so I've just learned just to trust in God and just to say, okay, I'm strong enough for today, just give me the strength for tomorrow. And so I find that just with each new day, it is a blessing. I have been blessed with another day, another day. And so the, the blessings along the way were we never thought, We'd write a book. We never thought we'd be fighting for legislation, and yet even have legislation passed. Um, uh, we never thought we'd even be invited by the governor to go and be a part of the bill signing either, which took place on June 12th. And so there's so many of these moments in our life that, um, you know, they would like never have, would not have come. They would never yes. have come. We would never have experienced it. And, um, you know, and I... For I'll say this over and over again. I, for one, never thought that I would have ever um, been fighting for legislation. It's just, it's just never interested me. Yeah. Never had um, any um, want to, to to even be traveling back and forth to Tallahassee and speaking on such mm-hmm. um, you know important stuff. But it's just we felt that it was it was needed. We needed to help the people that come behind us and the people that are hurting now. We needed to be able to, you know, offer our voice to help them and just to give back. And I think that's what life's about. Life isn't about taking, life's about giving. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think that there's so many People that are givers out there and, um, you know, we can all help one another, but I just think if everybody would just take time and just give back, you know, kind of pay it forward. Right. Mm -hmm. Think Mm -hmm. about this world, right. And how it would change for sure. So, Yeah.
0: And I think that, um, there's a lot more, like you just said. There's a lot more people. We hear all kind of negative things about and about mm-hmm. horrible people doing horrible things. Right. But I, I just think that gets highlighted. It I think does. there are so many more people that are doing the right thing, that are loving on their family, that are going to work every day, that are trying to live a good life, Then a lot of the ones that aren't. And right. maybe I'm Pollyanna, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm I'm going to keep that attitude because I just, I'm like you, I, I refuse to believe right. um, that, that there won't be light and goodness provided. Right. Uh, I just... And I think you've got to surround yourself with those people that are going to say, "Okay, we can do this." You know, absolutely. Not, "Oh, what are you going to do?" You know, Mm because that can suck you right down a hole if you get somebody to help participate in misery with you. You know what I mean? That can make um, make it all tough. Absolutely. So, um, how can people get this? this book if they want to read this book
1: um well they can order it on amazon Mm -hmm. um they can get it from barnes and noble i mean it's accessible anywhere you can just google um, home plate uh, by remington and stephanie walls and it'll just pop up you can also get it from our um, publisher now publishing and so there's just a
0: whole myriad of of venues that they can um, purchase the book from Sounds good. We'll include, um, a couple of the links, uh, in, in with the podcast information. Um, I I have to imagine that you are very proud of your son and probably very proud of your family. I just met you and I'm proud of your family as you've shared this journey. I'm just proud that you guys, you know, it, it's real, like that your marriage was falling apart, your family, you know, because mm-hmm. this stuff hits you like a freight train. It does out of nowhere, right? And nobody thinks these things happen, and then you have to figure out, okay, this was not what I thought mm-hmm. <laughs> was life was gonna be like. This right. was not my picture book that I wrote out, right? Um, so. I'm just proud of you guys. Are you very proud of your son and and probably your other son as well? Just your whole family, I bet. Well, um, you know, we
1: just, we've worked so hard as a family to pick up the brokenness in our family and to work through it and just to build strength from it as well as to build strength from one another. And so in our family, we have just got the deepest love that one can ever experience and it's because of the journey and all of those crazy detours along the way and the detours were filled with so much pain mm-hmm. um but then there's been other detours that have just brought us so much joy and mm-hmm. so much laughter um and so there's just you know it is it's life's an amazing road and when you just look at this if you mapped out where we came from and where we're headed this huge road map it's just it's anyone's guess right now you know (laughs) it's almost
0: laughable where you're like okay (laughs) right what's next (laughs) yeah all right it's kind of like all right let's see what let's see what goes on now you know like but we can probably handle it so (laughs)
1: it's it's just been it has been just a crazy ride and We, um, we've started, uh, doing some public speaking events now, which we never, ever thought that would even be in the mix. And, um, and we just love being able to share our story, just trying to encourage other people that no matter what it is that you're going through, you don't have to have a kid that doesn't eat. It's just regardless of what your situation is and what's got you in that mode of, oh my goodness, you know, what am I going to do? If you just look at the next day and you just have hope in the next day and you just keep you know, one day at a time trudging through, oh my goodness, you're going to get out of that valley and over that mountain. And you're going to be standing on that mountain and you're going to be looking back like, what? I just came out of that valley. Yeah, And it's so, it's just an incredible feeling. Mm -hmm. And so, but that's what life is. Mm -hmm. It's just one step in front of the other. Yeah. We've
0: all just got to, in one way or another, find that perseverance and endurance to, to, to keep on doing whatever it is that we, we need to do. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm glad that you mentioned about the, the speaking. I was going to ask you, if people are interested in maybe having you come speak mm-hmm. or maybe they want to help with this legislation somehow, is there anything that listeners might be able to do? How could we contact you?
1: Um, yes, they can absolutely um, reach out um, to me. I. Um, I guess I could give you mine or do they should they reach out to you or that's what I'm trying to figure out? what would be the best way? I and mean, then or they could reach out to my nail publishing, now publishing directly. Mm-hmm.
0: We'll we'll talk about that and then we'll um we'll include that in the de- in the description about yeah, how it might be the best way uh to, to reach you because yeah, this cause... is brand new so you kind of don't have that worked out I don't know if you want like an email or whatever but I sort of put you on the spot there so so
1: but I mean yeah email will probably be best and I can give you my email address for sure okay
0: so. all right we'll include we'll include that in the description is there anything that we can do just as citizens. To help this bill, or um, oh, absolutely.
1: So um, the the biggest um, area that we need help is that whether it be your local um, congressman, your um, your state congressman, your state representative, or your federal um, uh, legislator, just reach out to them and let them know that we need elemental formula coverage. Um, And for the federal, it's the Medical Nutrition Equity Act and for state for the state of florida it's just elemental formula coverage and so you know reach
0: out and let our lawmakers know that this is what we need so again for a lot of different people that just have other medical issues that need you know special food or whatever not just people that have your son's condition so um you know thanks for doing that that hard work for them and um again if you are interested in Uh, Getting the book you can find that on Amazon Barnes & Noble. We'll also include the link for for now publishing get it right through the publisher Um, We'll have Stephanie's email and contact information Connected to the description with this podcast so you can put that you know It'll be in the show notes kind of thing and we'll have a good way for that if you want to um, do some more research on the medical nutrition equity act um it's appfed.org so you can go on there and and there's some information and ways that you can advocate for this uh for this particular situation so um stephanie thank you so much for taking the time to share your story today uh we appreciate that you are taking this situation and, um, sharing what your family has been through to help other people. And th- like you said, that's what we should all be doing. And that's be doing. part of the journey, right?
1: That's Absolutely. Part of the journey. Absolutely.
0: So. so thank you so much for taking You're the time today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank, you. thank you for listening. You can follow, interact, and ask questions about this episode and others on our Facebook page, The Detour Podcast, and on Instagram at Sheila Shinsky. To hear more conversations like this one, you can listen to all of our episodes on the Detour Podcast channel on Podbean. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. So be sure to share this episode with a friend who loves podcasts too. And rate, comment, and subscribe yourself. So you can join us next time as we take the detour and enjoy the wander.